Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone. It is Monday, 5-2, Eastern. Welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, who are fighting while well, not really. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that, you know, it's like um, we're like practically smacking each other. And then the oh, welcome. It's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned to collaborate with everyone and let's make a difference already. Already, please. Um, you know, our companies need us now more than ever, but they need our A-game, and that's the goal. We're nurturing the A-game. We're nurturing the A-game through personal and professional development. So we bring a lot of different content to the table. Um, yeah, this week we have a great guest. Last week we had a great guest. I know, I know. They're, you know what? They're all really good. It's unbelievable. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. And I want to just let everyone know that we keep forgetting to tell everybody you can also find us um, on iTunes and there's the free Talk Zone app. So you can listen to us in the car, in the gym, in your home. You can, you can have Charlie and Eva with you 24 seven if you wanted to. Just like Charlie and Eva do. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> it gets it all gets to be a little too much. Um, I want to mention that we just got word today, May 18th, um, giving the um, mentoring class on how forefathers, five specific forefathers, taught us about teamwork, uh, and I'm going to be delivering that to middle school uh, kids in live schools all over the country, which is really, really, really cool. Well, and I love it because, you know, I was just, and you and I had talked about this, I was just listening to NPR where they were talking about how the poor middle school kids, they have so much going on that it's really, really tough to teach them anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to inspire them. And I think they're terrific. For sure, um, because they are our future. They are our future. And um, our 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 future. And... (laughs) You know, in terms of today, tomorrow, and going forward with all of us, mm-hmm. what do we do right? How do we improve? How do we think out of the box? How do we make a difference? What are some crazy techniques we could learn? I mean, that's what we do here. We bring experts in, okay? And we yeah. do to tap into everything, into our creativity, into our intuition, into Stuff that's out in the ether. Right. And I just want to say one thing, and, you know, I just love how the show's tied together, right? So right. last week, we had a really cool show, 21 Days to a Great Idea. Big idea. Big idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool, right? And this week, we have a really fantastic, energized guest, um, and his book is... Hidden solutions all around you. I mean, that means, you know, reminds me of those highlights when you were in school where you had to see what's different in the pictures. <laughs> um, I'm serious. So, you know, when 
you're a positive person. Yes. When you see hope, you find solutions all over the place. And that, you know, this is the, the guest of guests, right? Because right. we want to write all these things down. Yes, okay? I agree. So, okay. So hang in there, everyone. I would love to introduce our very special guest, Dan Castro, award-winning author, nationally known speaker, and as he's been referred to, serial entrepreneur, and he has his latest book, which I'm going to hold up, um, Hidden Solutions All Around You. So, Mr. Castro, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Hi, guys. Hey, Hi, excellent. Um, welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Thank you. I'm so, excited to be here. Oh, believe me, we're excited because, you know, we get to cheat, right, Dan? We get to learn from our guests as well. And we do, and we, uh, we're excited about it. <laughs> um, share with us first some contact information so our listeners can maybe follow along, learn about the book, and so on. And your website. And your website. Yeah, the website is um, hiddensolutions.com, and the name of the book, as you pointed out, is Hidden Solutions All Around You, Why Some People Can See Them and Some Can't. And you can buy the book at amazon.com or at hiddensolutions.com. Excellent. Okay. So hiddensolutions.com, and that's what we need. We need to all go there. It's very important, right? We are, you know, and I'll say this, right? We think down our programmed path. And if yes. it's, if it's not working, right? We need new ways. We need new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to share one quote, um, Dan from the book, which I mean, you know, it is, it's priceless, by the way, okay? And the quote says, an entrepreneur is someone who jumps off the cliff and then builds wings, builds the wings on the way down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, entrepreneurs are kind of renegades, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us, you know, we want to learn everything we can about you in the time we have, but first tell us the meaning around hidden solutions all around you. What exactly does that mean to us? Yeah, so basically, um, you know, about 10 years ago, I've always been piqued, you know, and and curious about people who were able to turn rags into riches and these people that were able to look at a pile of trash and see somehow see the treasure that nobody else could see. And I've read all the success stories out there, just like you guys have, and I've seen the movies, you know, I was born poor and uh, due to my innovation and creativity and hard work, now I'm a gazillionaire, you know. And right. we see these people, we see them in the news, we watch movies about them, we read books about them. And I wanted to know why. Why is it that, that ten people can be looking at the same pile of trash and only one of them see the treasure? And I wanted to know why at the neurological level, why at the psychological level, and why at the behavioral level. And I didn't want the same pat answers I've, I've heard all my life, you know, positive thinking and and hard work and blah blah blah. I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I always say, I always say, get yourself a million dollars and then you'll be a millionaire. No, you took that from Steve Murray. Right. But anyway. So, yeah. So yeah. I agree yeah. with you. There's a, a joke that I heard a long time ago about how you know a guy became a millionaire and and uh, people would ask him, well, how did you become a, a millionaire? And he goes, well, you know, I was dirt poor. All I had was was an apple, you know, and and it had an apple, and I and I went and on the side of the sidewalk and I. And I sold the apple for uh, for ten cents, and with that I went and bought two apples, and 
and I sold those apples each for, for 10 cents, and I went and bought four apples. And I kept doing this month after month, and one day my uncle died and left me a million dollars. But, you know, and I, I get it, and this is true, right? And this is the message, your message everyone needs to hear. So I'm excited. So continue. Yeah, so, you know, so I went on a, on a seven-year-long journey, you know, researching uh, these people that, that have this rare ability, and, uh, and I discovered that, that there's a lot of reasons, very specific, tangible reasons why somebody has the ability to, to look at a pile of trash and see the treasure that nobody else sees. And so the book basically isolates those reasons uh, and identifies them in a practical way and creates a system that anybody can use to open their, the, own, the brain of their own eye and start seeing the solutions that are literally all around them. And, you know, what, what applies to you may not apply to the next person. So it's kind of like the keys on a piano. You don't play all the keys at the same time. If you did that, you'd have chaos, right? You play selective keys at select times. That's what makes music and that's what makes harmony. And so it's the same with these tools that I've discovered in these systems. You'd have to know which tools to implement at what time. But the tools, once you grasp them, are very practical, and anybody can use them to open the eye of their own brain, and suddenly, boom, you start seeing things that were there all along, but they suddenly have magically appeared. So, uh, you know, when you see them and your friends start recognizing that you're doing this, they think, well, wow, he has the Midas touch. You know, he must be really smart. Um, he must have something that I don't have, but it's not true. The only thing that you have is some very special and practical techniques to open the eye of your own brain to see the solutions that were right there all along. It's, it's just absolutely magical. Wow. Um, hey, hey, hey. So, okay, there's some extreme perception and skill here that you kind of, I think, went over a little too quick because how did you, you know, you didn't hit something that said, oh, hey, Dan, here's a hidden solution. You had to figure it out, observe, and understand, and you had to determine what those solutions were. I mean, that seems to me like a lot of a lot of hard analysis, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, there's there's the the hard way that that we're used to hearing about. You know, um, you know, we hear it takes ten thousand hours to to succeed in life and to become a you know great whatever it is you want to be. But, but there's hundreds of examples of people in this book that became billionaires by accident. They stumbled across a solution that they weren't even looking for, you know, and, and, or in other situations, they, they created a mistake. You know, the thing that they were trying to create was very different from the thing they ended up creating, but the thing that they created by accident turned out to be the billion-dollar idea, one of which is uh, the Post-it note. The, the post-it note was the result of a glue compound that was not sticky enough. And so it was a, considered a failure at the time. And the guy put the, the glue compound on the shelf where it collected dust for many years until a guy that was singing in his church choir was trying to, to you know, fold down the pages of certain songs so that when the, you know, the choir director said, hey, turn to this page, he would know where to turn. And it became too cumbersome. Yeah. And, and he remembered that somewhere in the, in the chemistry lab, that this other yo-yo had, had created this glue that wasn't quite sticky enough, and he went and he asked him to borrow it, and he dusted it off, and he put it on a piece of paper, and he created the Post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a solution, a hidden solution all around that person, right? Yeah. He had to go in his, in his uh, memory box and just try to, you know, 
figure out maybe what he had that he didn't realize that could work. Right. Oh, and, and that was the result of somebody else's accident or mistake, you know. And so there's there's tons of examples in the book about, about people that discovered similar things by accident or by just plain observation. They were open and aware and alert to the possibilities that were all around them, even the things that they were not looking for, like the guy that created Velcro. You know, he, he's walking out, hiking in the woods one day, and, and he comes back with sticker burrs all over his socks. I mean, how many times has that happened to you? Yeah. And to me. Happens all, it happened to me Saturday when I was out, you know, at a festival. And there were tall weeds and grass, you know, that I had to hike through to get to this festival. Came back with sticker burrs all over my socks. And we just pick them out, we throw them on the ground or on the trash. And this guy was different. He was very, very observant. And he goes, what is making those stickers stick to my socks? And he looked at them under a microscope, and, and he saw that they had little hooks, you know. And the hooks were, were grabbing onto the loops in his socks. And from that, he created Velcro, you know. Uh, it was, it was a, a, a discovery that came by pure and simple observation. Uh, it comes from, from when we ask the question, um, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, or yeah. How does that happen? You know, it comes um, from from pure curiosity. So, we have about a minute and a half before our first break, but I just want to ask you, quick, you know, in this book, and again, the book is, and I'm going to hold it up again, Hidden Solutions All Around You at HiddenSolutions.com. How did you determine who and where to research? Well, that was, you know, part of the mystery. What, what I started doing was, you know, first look at successful people, and then I went back and said, well, how did they get there? The problem is that when you read the books about their lives or you watch the movies, they only give you the surface-level details, you know, mm-hmm. the who, the where, the what, and the when. Mm-hmm. But none of those stories and books answer the question why. So when I read those books, um, I actually called a lot of those entrepreneurs and interviewed hundreds of them. And I asked them the question, why? Why do you think you were able to see this thing, this opportunity, this solution, that none of your other competitors were able to see? And, and by peeling back that last layer of the onion, I was able to, to see uh, the answers to why that so far nobody has dared to ask. Wow. Incredible. And was there like a, a theme that they were, was there kind of a common thread for all of them? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, you know, if, if you interview hundreds of these people, there, there emerges several patterns. There's no one theme. If it was just one theme, it would have been a very short book. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a very, very thick book. And the reason for that is because everybody has a different way of opening up the eye of their own brain. Some mm. of the most brilliant ideas um, in history came during periods of sleep or rest or vacation. Um, and, but not all of them, you know. So there's, there's no one panacea, there's no one solution that if I were to say, just do this and all your problems will be solved, uh, nobody would believe me anyway. Um, but, but in fact, history has shown that there's no one cure, there's no one solution for everybody, there's no one size fits all. People that are able to see the solution that is invisible to others um, have different ways of going about it. Some take a nap, some take a long drive in the woods. Uh, some go for a hike to do a sticker burr patch, you know. Right, 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 right. No, I, I, it's really terrific. Um, again, hidden solutions all around you. We're going to take our first break, and we're going to come back with a lot more. So please stay with us. Um, more to come with our special guest, Dan Castro. 
CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is author, speaker, and serial entrepreneur, Dan Castro, and he is the author of Hidden Solutions All Around You, Why Some People Can See Them and Some Can't. And you can learn more about Dan and the book at HiddenSolutions.com, and the book is, is available there and also on Amazon. So, Dan, before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, opening up the eye of our own brain, and mm-hmm. I love that because I know you talk about that in the book, and that's such a crucial part about looking and seeing things and observing, and then, of course, I'm sure somewhere in there is this taking action on it as well. But it seems like, when you were talking to the different people, one of the themes is almost like it's about being relaxed. Is that part of it? Because I would think that when you're searching really, really hard, you may not see it. Yeah, I mean, part of it, that particular um, system looks like this because you do have to have a period of intense concentration and study. Um, there's plenty of people that, that are relaxed. They're so relaxed, in fact, that we call them lazy because they never do anything. Um, but the people that have stumbled upon brilliant ideas are the ones that they, they engage in the research and in the war, hard work during intense periods of study, followed by a period of rest and relaxation. Mm-hmm. It's usually during the period of rest and relaxation that the brilliant discovery comes and lights on our shoulder like a butterfly. You know, you can't catch the butterfly by chasing it as much as you can by sitting there in a field of butterflies, and eventually one of them will land on your shoulder. And, you know, that's the way Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. Um, and a lot of poets and musicians um, attribute their brilliance to periods of relaxation as well. Uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge wrote the poem um, Kubla Khan, you know, during a period of, of half sleep and half awake. Um, Paul McCartney wrote the, the song Yesterday in a Dream. In fact, it was, he, it was so real to him, the dream, that he thought he had heard it somewhere. He asked everybody he knew if they'd ever heard this song, and he would, he would sing it for them, and nobody had ever heard of it. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on and on of other brilliant uh, discoveries that came during periods of rest or sleep, including Leonardo da Vinci. Um, but, but it has to be preceded by the hard work that is required to, to put all the pieces of the puzzle at least in the same box, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when they're in the same box, then the brain itself, during periods of rest, will assemble those pieces of the puzzle together and you'll wake up and you'll have a completed puzzle. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that because I agree with that. It's that period of when you're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about something and then finally you just surrender and let it go 
and then right. let it come to you. Um, I didn't, I had heard about Paul McCartney dreaming, um, yesterday, but I didn't realize that he went around asking people if they had heard this song because it was so real to him. That almost sounds like it was, you know, channeled if you believe in channeling, right? I mean, it just seems yeah. like it was just absolutely downloaded to him. Um, yeah. which it is, which is cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really scary if you think about it. And that's what the ancient Greeks used to call the muse. You know, they, we would summon the muse because they were very well aware of this mysterious thing happening where when you're in a period of rest, it's almost like somebody is, is transmuting this poem to you or this song or this brilliant idea. And, and a lot of writers and musicians actually rely on that today. They don't call it summoning the muse, but, but they do. And, of course, some of, some of them take drugs to try to enhance that feeling. Um, but, but still, it's an ancient phenomenon that, that was very well known to the Greeks. And anybody who's ever written uh, a brilliant book or, or a song or a poem has experienced something similar, um, including the guy that wrote Handel's Messiah. He, he says almost the exact same thing. He says he couldn't write fast enough. He says he was listening to something that was coming from another world, and all he could do was was transcribe it as fast as he could. Ooh, I, I love that. And so when you were doing all this research, did you find that you had to shift the way you tried to find new ideas, or did you find that you were actually on the right path? Um, some of both. I mean, because I've been meditating for many years, you know, and, and I've had some really, really hellacious ideas that came during periods of meditation, so I was familiar with that phenomenon. But, but some of these other things, no, they were, they were absolutely mind-blowing. Um, in fact, while I was writing the book, you know, um, there was a hidden, hidden solution that was right in front of me that I didn't see for many years. And, uh, and I'm an attorney by trade, and I, I do uh, business litigation and real estate law. And we do real estate closings here, and I was looking for a way to increase our, our real estate closing income. And um, somebody said, well, instead of just doing the closings, why don't you also do the doc prep? And, and what that means is that you actually write the note, the deed of trust, and the, and the warranty deed that transfers title. And I had always not wanted to do that because it was an extra piece of work, that it was easy, easier to farm out to other people, and I didn't want to have to get involved in it. But... When I began looking for other ways to make money, somebody suggested that, and I went, duh. I mean, it was sitting there in front of me for years, and I had kind of dismissed it as, as too much trouble, too much complication. And when I started doing the doc prep angle of it, my, my income doubled uh, because I didn't realize that there was that much money in it and that there were other people that would just want me to do doc prep instead of just the closings. And so that thing that was right in front of me, I had the skill set, um, I had ignored it for years until somebody opened my eye and went, wait a minute, you're, you're watching a river of diamonds flow at your feet and you're not partaking of it. Just here's this net, just reach it down in there and grab some of them diamonds. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so when, when something like that comes to someone, so when you were talking to all these people and then with your own experiences, you know, when something like that comes to you, how do you know that it's like the next great idea and and then how do you know how to even pursue it? Because sometimes you'll get a great idea, but you'll think, well, how do I even go about doing that? Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, sometimes you know it. It, it lands on your brain or like a butterfly on your shoulder, and you get chills up and down your spine. Uh, it happened once to Einstein, and it's happened to, to several of the entrepreneurs in this book. They talk about this incredible feeling. Like it's that aha moment like, wow, this is it. This is going to you know, be the next great thing, like the iPod, you know, 
mm-hmm. um, and other times you've got ideas that are that are brilliant, but but nobody thinks it's a good idea, including you. Um, like the guy that invented the telephone. There was actually two people that invented the telephone, only one of which we know. His name is Alexander Graham Bell. But, but there was another guy that had invented it a few months before him, and he thought it was just a quirky idea, like, hey, isn't that cool? I just transmitted sound over a pair of wires, and he put it on his shelf and let it sit for about six months. And because he let it sit for six months, Alexander Graham Bell beat him to the patent office and that's why we know his name instead of the other guy's name, whose name is in the book, but I can forget it myself. Um, See, it's but, interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, you ahead. kind of hear also, you know, if you listen to any New Age teachers, even new ones or old ones that used to teach this kind of work, it's that if you don't pounce on it, it's out there. Someone else will grab it. Do you believe that? Uh, not only do I believe it, it's historically proven. And, you know, I call it, you know, ideas in the air. And this, this, what I'm about to tell you is so phenomenal. It, it should give you great comfort and encouragement. But we know now from the historical record that people on different parts of the planet working totally independently of each other have discovered the same thing at or about the same time. And the examples are numerous. One I just gave you, the telephone. The other is the light bulb. The other is... Mm-hmm. Uh, the splitting of the atom. The Germans and, and the U.S. and the British were working on those things at the exact same time, independently of each other. The airplane, we all think it was the Wright brothers that, that invented it. It's only because they got there first. There was another guy who, who was working on the exact same thing, working independently, and if the Wright brothers didn't even exist, we would still have an airplane. Um, the steamship, the electric motor, the typewriter, and there's hundreds of them. Uh, people who were simultaneously thinking of the same idea, and not just thinking about it, but working on it to mm-hmm. put it into action. And, um, and, and so, yeah, it's absolutely true. And so if you have an idea, don't just write it down. Start executing it because, because of this historical record we have. We know that somebody else is thinking about it right now, and they may be actually working on it while you're still dreaming about it. Oh, I think that's so true. I, I, I really do because it, it is, it's all out there and it's just waiting for that person that's ready to catch the download, right? It's just waiting yeah. for that person. And, you know, I had my own, I had my own great idea in college about my, um, salundromat when I was, <laughs> when I was doing laundry in college and I said to my friend, you need a bar here. And sure mm-hmm. enough in Chicago, like a few years later after we graduated, my friend actually wanted to find investors, and um, in Chicago, a few years later, they opened one to great success. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it was right there. It seemed like a crazy idea, but it ended up being a good idea for someone. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and so there literally are ideas in the in the air all around you, and all you have to do is, is you know, pause long enough. You know, you have to learn to meditate. You have to learn to relax. Turn off your cell phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off everything, and just as you put it earlier, relax, and these ideas will come to you like a butterfly lighting on your shoulder, but when it lands there, you better grab it, (laughs) because if you don't, somebody else will. No, I love that, and I also love the fact that it's like what, I like what you said, and, and we talked about it earlier, is that before you do the meditation is you need to prep for it. So you need to get ready. Is like when you go into meditation, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want to fix? And then let that answer come to you. But don't bat them away when they come to you because otherwise they're going to stop coming, I would think. 
Yeah, exactly. You have to learn to put your brain in neutral because we already know neurologically that something magical happens during periods of rest. And the neurological studies I've read describe it as a cake, right? So the way you make a cake is, you know, you put this ingredient in, that ingredient in, and you put them all in this big pot. And when you look at the, the, the pan, it looks like a soupy mess, right? It's just a bunch of ingredients floating around. But when you put it in the oven and you set the heat to, to the right temperature and you walk away, something incredible happens at the chemical level, at the, at the, uh, at the cellular level, right? Those yeah. ingredients are melding together, and they're, they're developing into a totally new substance, and we call it a cake, and it's delicious. And the same thing is happening in your brain. When you've got an idea over here in the right upper left corner and another idea in the bottom left corner, you know, they're floating around. They're not connected, but somehow during your sleep, neurologists have told us that there is a, is a merging of those ideas, and, and your brain is connecting those dots. And when you wake up, boom, there's an idea. And sometimes the ideas come during the period of sleep or, or right after the period of sleep. And it, it sounds like magic. It sounds like the muse gave it to us. But it was actually your own brain, and you can actually make this happen. But you do have to have the prep work uh, leading up to it. You have to put the right ingredients in your brain to allow the brain to, to mush them together uh, to make this beautiful new substance. No, I love it. I love it. So we're about to take our second break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today, Dan Castro, will be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, um, segment three, we're speaking with Dan Castro and his unbelievable book, it's great. Hidden Solutions All Around You, and you know what? Um, in corporate, we would say in the old days, this passes the weight test. Right? <laughs> it's about 350 pages, lots of examples, lots of great, unbelievable examples. Um, it's funny, right? Then during the break, we were talking. I had asked Eva. We had seen some a movie once, and the person was saying, "You have to show them." What they don't even know they need is the standard selling, yeah. right? And I see here in your book, chapter twenty. Can you see what you're not looking for? It's kind of similar, right? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, it, what uh, Henry Ford used to say is, you know, if I ask my my clients what they need, they would say, "I need a faster horse." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and it's funny. So, uh, a couple of things, right? I know you mentioned meditation um, because it seems to be the key. How do you stay so positive with so much 
I would use the term ambivalence around you, like in corporate, we always hear, well, you know, there's nothing you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a comment to that in a minute, but, you know, it seems to me one of the, one of the success factors that we always see, even on the show, are the people like yourself that are really positive, forward moving, hopeful, um, Mm -hmm. and they, also make a priority to give themselves the time to nurture that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and I think, and that's what opens up the universe for all these ideas. Right. You know, um, you know you're in the workplace. Uh, I'm speaking to all of our coworkers out there. And um, I say this from experience. Well, you know, there's nothing you can do. They're going to, they're going to downsize another, Five percent. Well, you know what? There is something you can do, and that is your job to do something. And this is what can happen. I mean, this book, Hidden Solutions, all around you, right? The yeah. answers are right there in front of you, and our companies need us now to create those solutions and deliver those solutions, right? We have to nurture ourselves to give us the time. Well, and the companies need to nurture that. Right. Well, because that's part of it. You know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm reading what I'm learning from Dan, if I have a solution, but there's no real path to get there, I need to make one. Right. Right. I need to be like, um, I want to say batshit obsessed over it, but I don't want to use that term. No, well, like it's just dead. And, you know, I want to be so <laughs> crazy about what I believe in. That I'll make my path because I know this is the right way to go. And I think that's what we need. We need to get turned on by what we think, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. And, you know, your, your company's not always going to have the same vision you do. And, you know, yeah, you're working hard. And, you know, we were taught to go to college, make good grades, um, you know, so we could what? Get a good job. Yeah. That's what we were all taught that in school, and right. that's where most of us went, you know. But uh, I, I hope that we have reached the point that what we're teaching our kids uh, is, you know, yes, you study hard, you work, you know, go to school and get a good degree, and, and you start off working for somebody, but that you develop the the independence and the creativity to where if and when you hit the glass ceiling or when the company no longer sees the kinds of things that you see, that you have the courage and you have the, the belief to spread those wings and jump off the cliff and build the wings on the way down. And that's exactly what uh, a guy named William Gore did. He's in the book on page 41. He was working for DuPont for 17 years. So he went through the exact same um, you know, historical path that most of us did, work hard, go to school, make good grades, go to work for the big company so you can make you know, a lot of money. And he discovered that when he stretched this new elastic fabric into long threads that it was very strong and that you could actually turn it, let it dry, and if you built enough of them, you could actually create a thread and create a fabric. And and DuPont didn't want to have anything to do with it. They said, no, we're creating things like Teflon and, and we're DuPont and what do you want to make fabric for? That's not our product. You know, we create all these other things. And so the guy took that thread into his basement with a few other buddies that worked at DuPont that believed in it, and he turned it into the Gore-Tex empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievable. 
Yeah. Um, so, and, and the key is, and again, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat it to death because, uh, this is a special book here, right? Hidden solutions all around you. And there's examples from all these great people on how solutions just came about. So, Dan, um, in your research, uh, did you find that these great people are really not much different than us or do, are they really special? You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I some say there's them, nothing you can do, I can be just as great as one of these guys. Yeah, some of them, you know, certainly were gifted. I and mean, I'm not going to go out so far and say, yeah, you can be Einstein, okay? You know, I don't care how much you love basketball, you're never going to be Michael Jordan, okay? Um, now, I don't want to say that nobody out there will ever be Michael Jordan. Somebody, the next Michael Jordan is probably already alive, and we're going to see mm-hmm. him in time. But the vast majority of us will never be Michael Jordan or, or Einstein. Nevertheless, all of us can be observant like the guy that discovered Velcro. We can all look at our socks and look at those uh, sticker burrs under a microscope. Mm-hmm. All of us can take a, a, an aluminum pie tin and throw it across the air to our buddies, which is what the guy did who discovered the Frisbee. It was literally a, an aluminum pie tin. And somebody saw him tossing this pie tin to his, his girlfriend and asked to buy it for a quarter. <laughs> and he goes, wow, really? You're going to give me a quarter for this worthless pie tin? And he said, yeah. And so he went out and bought a bunch of other pie tins and started selling them. And that was the, the birth of the Frisbee. Um, a, a single mother um, who was working at a, at a big company in Dallas, Texas, barely making ends meet, saw some painters painting the glass windows during the holiday season, you know, putting Santa Clauses and angels and... and um, you know, all kinds of, you know, cute uh, wintry things on the glass. And she noticed every time they made a mistake, they took a, a little bit of white paint and they just painted over their mistake and started over. And she goes, well, that's a great idea. So she went home and took some temper paint and she created what we call whiteout, mm. you know. Wow. And she was no smarter than you or me, but she was observant. Uh, right. Like the guy that created the Frisbee was observant. The guy that created Velcro was observant. Um you know, it's it's a matter of, again, opening the eye of the brain. You don't have to be smart as long as you're willing to be observant. Pay attention to the trivial. Pay attention to the mundane. Pay attention to your accidents. Don't throw them away. Uh, the guy that created penicillin, he, he created it because he paid attention to his accidents. What any other chemist would have, would have done was it would have been to discard the Petri dish because it did not give him the result he was looking for. He saved all of his accidents and came back and reobserved them months later. Um, and that doesn't take brilliance. That just takes observation, you know? Yeah. In tenacity, uh, you ha- yeah, you have yeah. to have the, the positive thinking, the energy, and the belief in right, what you're Right, and doing. that tenacity to go back and keep relooking at it, to not get discouraged by your failures. Right. You know, I mean, that's a tough one, right? I mean, that takes, that takes a little bit of, um, yeah. You know, a thick skin, courage. right? It yeah. takes some courage. Like Fulton. Yeah, well, look at Dyson. Like, how many time, how many prototypes did Dyson come up with um, before oh, he yeah. created that backroof? Yeah. Know, right? It was like in the 5,000s, I thought. But, and you know, like to, to Dan's point, we're not talking about, you know, being a Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. um, anyone at that level or Paul McCartney or we're talking about us and the ability to make a difference. And in, in that pursuit of making a difference, you have no clue from what I'm realizing how 
far that's going to go. And you exactly. can very well be that person, but at very least, you are going to make a difference. Well, and it always feels like, you know, you hear so many stories about someone that was just about to quit before stuff hit. Right. You know, it's like just before you, you they were going to say, you know what, I'm out of cash, I'm out of everything, and then boom, it takes off. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what, guys, that's why I wrote the book, because, you know, when you read the book, you're reading hundreds of examples of people that went from rags to riches because of this belief, because of this tenacity, because they were observant, because they paid attention to their mistakes and other people's mistakes. And it's impossible to read this book without being inspired and encouraged because consistently when people read the book and they call me or they write me or they send me an email, they say, I'm so excited, Dan. I can't wait to to get out there and start seeing these solutions that are all around me. There's something about reading other people's stories that gives us that encouragement, that inspiration, and it triggers what I call the power of belief. Um, And, in fact, the power of belief is no longer a wishy-washy, guru-driven you know, soft concepts. We now know at the neurological level what happens when you choose to believe. When you choose to believe, your body is sending blood, nutrients, and oxygen to the neocortex of the brain. And it's doing something else. It's flooding your system with three chemicals called dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. And if you look up those three chemicals, they're going to tell you on the Internet that those three chemicals are the very chemicals that give you the feeling of encouragement, they give you the feeling of strength. They give you the feeling of courage, you know. And so and the moment you trigger your decision to believe something is happening at the neurological level and at the biological level, your body feels it, your brain knows it, and you get your butt off the couch and you're ready to conquer the world. It's a magical thing that happens in the moment you choose to believe. So, no, okay, so, Dan, I think um, I'm getting the message, okay, and um, – what I'm getting is, yeah, it's a fantastic book, okay? I'm holding it up again. Um, and there's, as you say, many, 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 many stories of very creative, successful people. It's a good read just on that. Mm-hmm. But I really would like everyone to purchase the book to be inspired on their own to take up the charge to make a difference as well. Become the next name in the book, in the next <laughs> version. So that's the message I get from listening to you that, you know, let's go, everyone. Let's let there's no problem that cannot be solved. That's what I'm getting. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know what? That's not just a truism. It's not just a quote you put on your wall. The universe is shouting to you that this is a law of the universe, just like the law of gravity. There is no such thing as a problem without a solution. And I experienced this law firsthand when I went backpacking in the Amazon jungle. Uh, Before we had even reached the first hundred yards in the jungle, our little guide, our Indian guide, had identified ten things that could independently either kill us or severely injure us. But in that same hundred yards around the corner, he identified something that could cure us or heal us of what had just harmed us. And I was in the jungle with him for a week, okay? And it happened like clockwork. Every time we stumbled across some bug, some bird, some snake, some critter that could harm us or kill us, right around the corner within 100 yards was some plant, some bat guano, some bird poop or something that could cure us. And I asked him, I said, wait a minute, this just is weird. 
I said, how come every time you show us something that can hurt us, right around the corner is something that can cure us? What's going on here? And he looked at me like I was nuts, and he said, are you kidding me? Why do you think the, my ancestors survived in the jungles for thousands of years without modern medicine or doctors? And then he told me that his grandfather lived to be 98 years old, and he never left the jungle. Wow. And uh, it was the moment that I realized the universe was screaming to me, you see, Dan, you're right. There is no such thing as a problem without a solution. We're not going to send a problem your way unless we also send a solution, and the solution is going to be nearby. It's going to be somewhere you can find it if you just learn to open the eye of the brain. It was a magical moment for me. I love it. Um, I'm getting pumped. Uh, We have to take one more break. Please, we're not done yet. Stay with us, Corporate Talk, with uh, Charlie Eva and very special guest Dan Castro. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. We're having a great conversation today with author, speaker, and serial entrepreneur Dan Castro, and he is the author of Hidden Solutions All Around You, Why Some People Can't See Them and and Some Can. And you can learn more about Dan in the book at hiddensolutions.com. And you can purchase the book there, and you can also purchase it on Amazon. And it is a terrific book. It's got a lot of research behind it, and it will help you find the ideas all around you. Yes. No, it's terrific. And so, Dan, you know, I love everything that we're talking about. And there's something that I know that you are have some passion around, too, and it's around children and what we can teach our kids about entrepreneurship. So what can we teach our kids about entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing that I would teach my kids, and I know that, that the show is called Corporate Talk, um, but I got to say this. I mean, you got to you got to tell your kids that they cannot rely on the corporate empires out there to take care of them through the end of their life. You got to tell them the realities, guys. And you, because of the reality is that our, our our corporate employers will at some point kick us to the curb. You have to learn to be independent. You have to have a mindset of of entrepreneurship and innovation. And what I mean by that is, you know, right now I really believe that we are doing our kids a disservice by teaching them how to write a resume. When we teach them how to write a resume, implicitly the hidden message is, hey, here's how to get a job. Here's what you have to do to get somebody else to give you money. We should be teaching them instead how to write a business plan, how to find office space, how to raise capital, and how to be innovative and creative. Um, a friend of mine um, had a kid, a teenage kid, that was in a workshop, creativity workshop, and they had a contest, you know, who can make the paper plane that flies the furthest across the room? And everybody was at their desk making the most exotic Star Wars-looking paper planes, and this kid said, does it matter what the paper plane, what the paper plane looks like? And the teacher said no. And so when it, his, it came his turn to toss the paper plane, he wadded up his piece of paper into a ball. 
and threw it across the room, and it flew further than anybody else's. <laughs> yeah. It was, no, a lot of so paper. True. it was. It was a lot of paper, you know. Does it matter yeah. what it looks like? No. But we, when we plant our kids in our kids' brains, you know, this is, you know, ideas, you know, here, here, write this resume. Let me teach you how to write a resume. We're giving them a hidden message that is defeatist by nature. Take, don't teach them how to write a resume. Teach them how to write a business plan. What message are we teaching them at that point? Oh, I'm supposed to start a business. Oh, I can be the next Michael Dell. I can be the next Mark Zuckerberg. Yes, I can create something out of nothing. And that's the message we should be teaching our kids. Yeah, no, I agree. No, we agree with that 100%. And I agree with you, too, that corporate is not the answer. It, it can be the answer for a while, but I think it's so important to empower kids to understand that even if they are in a corporate environment and if they like it, which is great, that's fine, too, you still have to be an entrepreneur. You still have to be the one that forges your own path. You still have to be the one that innovates within your own organization in order to become a crucial part of that organization if you like it. Um, and we're just teaching kids to be, I think, more robotic instead of more creative and more entrepreneurial. Yep, they were teaching the status quo thing. And that's what corporate, corporations want now. I once asked yeah. an upper-level executive at IBM, I said, what is it you guys want? What are you looking for? Uh, and a new employee, and he said that colleges and universities have failed corporate America because they're sending them MBAs that all they know how to do is do project management. He says, we need more entrepreneurs. We need more people uh, that can create a company within a company that can create innovative ideas and products that nobody's ever thought of before. And, you know, I think it's true. And, and now, uh, that was about 10 years ago, and now we have more universities teaching entrepreneurship uh, and teaching creativity but, look, I'm an attorney, and i gotta, I got to tell all the employees out there and all the potential employees this. Be very careful when you sign your contract, if you have a contract to sign, because you have to protect your own brain. Mm -hmm. I just edited a contract that uh, uh, some, some clients of mine are uh, going to work for a big company. They have their own company. They have their own widgets that they created. And, and, and the language in the contract, in the fine print, it's always where it is, it says, oh, by the way, anything you create, any ideas you come up with while you're employed with us belong to us. Very yeah. few people know that that language is in every corporate contract. And I said, you will not sign that. You will strike that because what if you're at home late at night drinking tequila and you come up with, with the world's greatest running shoe? Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Now, the company you work for is an electronics company. They don't do running shoes. It has nothing to do with running shoes. But that clause is so broad and so overreaching that it would – it would, it would mean that that running shoe now belongs to the company. So we changed the language to say, you know, if I come up with an idea that's related to your business, fine, it's yours. But be careful, guys, out there. If you're an employee working for a big company or you're thinking about working for one, protect your brain, protect your ideas in the contract. Look for a good attorney that can help you draft that contract and protect yourself and your ideas. Sorry, Dan, but uh, honestly, I would call you now. <laughs> right? Fine, Even fine. if it's for advice, because I, uh, you know, your, your thinking is all around all of the problems. And it's, it's also true not only with what you sign as an employee, it's, it's company models and, you know, and how they want, you know, people to work in the workplace. Yeah. If you have something to bring, bring it. That's why, that's your job. I agree. Well, and the problem is, is that if you do innovate something really cool on the job, I mean, they can take it. And you might not ever see a dime for it, you know. But just imagine, I said, you know what, Mr. CEO, that reminds me of uh, in uh, 
Dan Castro's book, Sarah Blakely. Reminds me a story about Sarah Blakely, and then I'll just turn to page, you know, 311, <laughs> and um, I'll just let them have it. Because I, I think the Sarah Blakely story is actually a terrific story, because that's the Spanx story. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, what so, an amazing story. I mean, and, and most most women know that story. A lot of men don't, because they don't wear Spanx, but, um, yeah, I mean, she went literally door-to-door, you know, with this red backpack. And what looks like ladies' underwear, you know, and, and if, if she had gone to her MBA professor and said, hey, I, you know, I have a great idea for, for new ladies' underwear, the MBA professor would have laughed at her and said, you're getting a D. If you write that project up, you're going you're gonna to get right. a D or you're going to fail. And that's what most corporations would have said. But because she created something that was so innovative and so different. Now, in its face, it looks like ladies' underwear, right? <laughs> right. But, but it was made out of a different material, uh, and it had a slimming effect to it. And all she had to do when she found a buyer that would listen to her, she walked into the ladies' restroom and put them on and came out. And and that's how she sold it. You know, That's just pretty cool, right? right? That's believing in your in yourself. I remember that story. That's my favorite part of that story. She said, just just look at this. And she went in, she put them on, she came out, showed, you know, her butt basically, the back of her pants. And it was like, I'm sold. They bought a whole bunch of them and it took off. And now... Yeah. She has a, a zillion different iterations of it and it's sold everywhere. It, it's crazy. And she actually did, I thought she even did the research on the name. Like she went through for a year to make sure that that name wasn't used anywhere and that, um, yeah, cause she didn't just, have the money for a lawyer. Yeah, not just the name, but the patents because she wanted to make sure this was protected. She couldn't afford a lawyer. Um, so right. she went to the library, you know, library, uh, the law school library. And did the research, how do you file a patent? What is a patent, you know? And I have friends that are patent lawyers. They, they charge outrageous prices if you want something patented. You're looking at thirty to $50,000. And because she was willing to do the hard work herself, she got this thing patented on her own. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, but she knew she had something. That was the thing. You were asking her, how do you know when you have something? She knew it. Uh, she knew she had something revolutionary, and as a result, she's the, the youngest woman ever to reach billionaire status on the face yeah. of the earth. She did it with wow. amazing. Younger well, Dan, I mean, this has been a great conversation. I can't believe yeah. how fast our hour has gone, and we've uh, loved talking to you about this. It was terrific. Um, uh, absolutely fantastic work, uh, Dan. I can't say enough yeah. about this book. It's just terrific. Um, Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. We loved it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll come back and, uh, maybe you can add us to the next <laughs> version. Hey, you right. got it. You got it. Let's stay in touch, guys. Thank you so much. I'd love to okay. come back. Take care. Have a great night. And for everybody, that's Dan Castro and it's hidden solutions all around you. Why some people can't see them and some can't. Uh, and I think it's absolutely terrific. You can learn more about the book and about Dan at HiddenSolutions.com. And the book is available on Amazon as well as his website. And I'm holding it up one more time. Terrific hour. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye.